Good morning. It's good to see each of you today, and thank you for being here. For those that are away on vacation, let us pray that they have safe travel and mercy and bring them back to us safely. I wanted to, first of all, uh, again, thank you for the outpouring and the many prayers that I have received over the past week. Uh, and, and thank you so much for uh, when I mentioned that I think it was Friday night that my wife got a call from Christ Nation, the, the biker group, and said, can we, can we come pray Saturday over Chad? And it was a last-minute thing, impromptu, but we put it on our, our page that anybody would want to come pray. And we had a good turnout last night. And I want to tell you from the bottom of my heart, there's no greater a joy in knowing that you have people praying for you. And, and I want to thank them for coming out and those of you who came out and prayed over me. And I wish I could orchestrate what has happened over the past few days. I don't believe in coincidence. I believe in the sovereignty of God. I believe that He ordains things in, 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 his, in His time and in His will. And I honestly believe that God has set out a path for me as well as the rest of us to go down. Now, that being said... I want you, as I will be this morning, uh, taking an intermission from the book of Revelation, as I will be healing, uh, as God sees uh, to lead me through this time in my life, I will be healing up, and I want you to be encouraged. I want you to be encouraged that God is still the great physician. He's the ultimate physician, and He will lead, He will guide, He will protect. And what I want you to do is understand that not only continue to pray for me, but pray for one another and continue to study and support Living Way Community Church because you know what? I'm going to be back with a passion. Amen. I may talk a... <clears throat> Thank you. I, I may talk a little funny at first, but you know what? According to the people up north, I lived for 10 years. I talk funny every day, so <laughs> it, it's okay. But I want you to continue to uh, pray for one another, pray for us, and as we will for a while conclude the book of Revelation with an intermission. Again, I do not think this is a coincidence. I believe that if you've done any study in the book of Revelation, 10 is a unique chapter, chapter 10. But I ask that you just continue again to support us, continue to read the Word of God. We will bring this chapter or this book series to an end one day when God's timing allows but if you have your Bibles, I ask you to turn with me to Revelation chapter 10. Revelation chapter 10. I want to give you an illustration. Now, I do not know how many of you have ever been through bad weather. Uh, you know, if, if any of you has ever been through a hurricane, I, I, I remember when in 1989, uh, when Hurricane Hugo came through, they actually dismissed school even up here in Greenville County because of the tornadoes and things that were being unleashed, the high winds. And I remember as a teenager in 1989 being afraid of, of what was about to happen, being afraid of what was going to come. You know, I mean, you know as well as I do, as, even as adults, sometimes we are afraid of the storms. Keep that in mind. That the storms scare us. They give us fear. I remember also during that time that, uh, that my grandmother and grandfather, when we would stay over their house, and some of you may remember this, when there was a storm coming, you turned everything off in the house 
It was pitch black and nobody said a word. And we sat there and looked at each other and felt the wrath of God. You know what I mean? And it was scary. But we would sit there and, and I got to thinking about that. And I got to thinking about storms that come and well, in the midst of a hurricane, you have the eye. The eye of the storm. Now many people that I've spoken to that's been in hurricanes, that when the first wave of the storm comes through, there's also a calmness that is associated with the eye and that people will take that time to go out and survey what's been damaged, what has happened, and how to plan for the next wave of attack. This morning, it's the eye before the storm. Or the, in the second part of the storm. So if you have your Bibles again, turn with me to Revelation chapter 10. Revelation chapter 10. Let's read the Word of God together. And I, know, I saw another strong angel coming down out of heaven clothed with a cloud, and the rainbow was upon his head. And his face was like the sun, and his feet like pillars of fire. And he had in his hand a little book which was open. He placed his right foot on the sea and his left on the land. And he cried out with a loud voice as when a lion roars. And when he had cried out, the seven peals of thunder uttered their voices. And when the seven peals of thunder had spoken, I was able to write. And I heard a voice from heaven saying, Seal up the things which the seven peals of thunder had spoken, and do not write them. Then the angel whom I saw standing on the sea and on the land lifted up his right hand to heaven and swore by him who lives forever and ever, who created heaven and the things in it and the earth and the things in it and the sea and the things in it, that there will be delay no longer. But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he is about to sound, then the mystery of God is finished. And he has preached as he has preached to his servants, the prophets, and then the voice which I heard from heaven, I heard again speaking with me and saying, Go take the book which is open in the hand of the angel who stands on the sea and on the land. So I went to the angel telling him to give me the little book. And he said to me, Take it and eat it. And it will make your stomach bitter, but in your mouth it will be as sweet as honey. Then I took the little book out of the angel's hand and I ate it. And in my mouth it was sweet as honey. And when I had eaten it, my stomach was made bitter. And they said to me, and, he, and they said to me, you must prophesy again concerning many nations, many peoples and nations and the tongues and kings. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. And we thank you for your many blessings that you've given us. God, we pray that you use us for your glory. Even in the times of storm, God, that you walk with us through whatever it may be. God, we'll give you the praise and glory for all things and all God's people said. Amen. What you will find here between the sixth and seventh trumpet is an intermission. An intermission in which a strong angel, if we could go back to the first slide, will come down out of heaven. Now, I want to give you some things this morning. I will give you three points with this that I want you to understand. Now, this is one of those other chapters that is cool because we have so, so much of this imagery. But again, like I tell you, as we have gone through the book of Revelation, don't get lost in the imagery. 
Get lost in Christ. So he says, I saw another strong angel coming down, clothed with a cloud. Clothed means the radiance, the radiance and the glory that is coming down. Now, many people will try to uh, make this angel Jesus Christ. There are commentators that said this is Jesus coming down. But I want you to look at a couple of things, and I'm going to tell you why I do not believe it's Jesus, but a strong angel. And I'm going to tell you. Look, he says, another strong angel coming down out of heaven. Now, if you will look throughout Revelation and what we have studied, studied so far, and please continue to do this, that any time Jesus is spoken by of John, he is given a specific title. He is the King of Kings. He is the Lord of Lords. He is the Alpha. He is the Omega. He is the Son of Man. He is given a specific title any time that Jesus Christ is mentioned in the book of Revelation. This says a strong angel. Now take into consideration, they are strong angels. If we go back to the throne of glory in Revelation chapter 5, you will see strong angels. You will see those that are around the throne of God. But do you remember that when John began to weep because there was no one there to open the scroll, he was told there is only one worthy. And his name is Jesus Christ. So if you look and look at the wording and look at the references that is coming through the book of Revelation, that when Jesus Christ is mentioned, His glory and His title is continually given. So it says, I saw another strong angel coming out of heaven, clothed with a cloud and with a rainbow on His head. The Greek word for rainbow is iris. Now I want you to think about this for a few moments. In the society that we live today, the rainbow means something totally different than it does in the book of Genesis. But what you will see that as this angel comes down in the midst of this intermission, not only is he coming down with his radiance, he is coming down with the halo or the rainbow around his head, which represents that God is faithful to the covenant of his people. Do you hear that? What do you mean by that? You need to read Genesis when God destroyed the uh, world with a flood and the covenant of the rainbow. Let me tell you something. God has promised and He is faithful in His promises to His covenant that He gives. God will take care of His people. And what I learned, and this is point one that I want you to write down this morning. I'm going to give you three. That in the midst, as we look at this angel, that even in the midst of storms, God is faithful to His people. We have to understand that. So many times, and trust me, I've dealt with this myself the past few weeks, that we don't understand that during trials and tribulations, where God is. Where was God? How many times have you heard that in your life? Where was God when this was going on? He was right there. The question is, is not where was God? But do you have faith in God in that trial? you got to understand that during this time of tribulation that is going on, there's a remnant of believers. And you will see, as we have learned in the previous chapters, they were tormented, tormented with things that, that was touching them indirectly. Then we read last week that they were able to be touched directly. And people will see this. 
People will experience this trial. But in the midst of these trials and tribulations, God give us an angel or give them an angel to come by in such glory and radiance to say God is still in control and He's on the throne. I think so many times we need to understand and read the Word of God and to find the reminder that no matter what it is, that God is in control. We have seen one of the most horriblest weeks that we can remember in time. That 19 children lost their lives. And we're looking at things and, and copycats and things going wild in this world. And we ask, why? I'll tell you why. Because men love darkness rather than light. It's a fallen world. It's a sinful world. But this is where it gets beautiful in this chapter. I got ahead of myself because I got excited, sorry. But the rainbow was upon his head. And his face was like the sun. Oh, the radiance that shined upon him. And his feet like pillars of fire, which means judgment came with him. Now remember this. And in his hand, he had a little book which was open. Now this is very interesting to me. Because this angel come forth to bring good and bad news. He placed his right foot on the sea and his left on the land. What does that mean? That he's in control of all world and it's a message for all people at all times. And he cried out with a loud voice as when a lion roars. Actually, the, in context of the Greek there, is actually the voice is like a cow mooing. A resonating voice. I think a lot of times when we hear a loud voice, that we think of somebody that screams like me. But the context of the scripture is this voice gets people's attention. Don't miss that. And when he had cried out, the seven peals of thunder uttered their voices. What did we talk about? The seven. Seven is a number of completeness. The complete outworking of God. And he uttered their voices, and when the seven peals of thunder had spoken, I was about to write. Now I want you to think about this. This is where the Bible is so awesome. Now listen. Well, there's a lot of places it's awesome. Oh, listen. You know how many, let me back up for a minute. I'm not going to try to go off on a rabbit trail, but I want to think about this when it comes to wor- reading the Word of God. A lot of times we glance it instead of consuming it. It's just like, let me give you an example. Is I do my prayer, I do my devotional, I do my studying. I learn and, and learn from the previous work how it applies to this work. See, you can't just glance at God's Word. You've got to take it in whole. You've got to read it all. You can't just grasp a few parts and the few verses that you like and read some of the things and say, you know what, man, that is so cool. What is it saying in context? And I want you to look at why this is so cool. What did Christ, okay, when, when Paul was, on, or I'm sorry, John was on the Isle of Patmos and he was writing the revelation of Jesus Christ, what was he told to do? Write things down. Remember? 
Write them down, what you see. But right here, now listen, I want to make a point with this. Right here, he is told not to write what's down. Now listen to me. This is very interesting to me. What did the seven peals of thunder say from the throne of God? We don't know. But why have so many people like commentators try to speculate when God specifically told John not to? Please hear me. Speak when the Bible speaks. Shut up when it don't. If John is told to stop by a mighty angel of God, who am I to think I'm better and try to figure out what God said? I can't do that. See, so he says, do not write these things down. The seven pills, okay, seven, seal up the things which the seven pills of thunder have spoken. And do not write them. You say, well, who are the seven pills of thunder? Well, you know, right? That's a good question. The Bible tells me that when John was cowed up into heaven in Revelation chapter 5, he had thunderings and voices. What we do know, I don't know who it is, but what I do know is from the throne of God. So it has authority. But he is told not to say anything. This is the second point I want you to write down. We are not to know all the mysteries of God. Listen to me. I don't know why certain things happen. I don't know all of God's plan. But what I do know is I don't have the complete picture that he does. So many times we try to speak for God. We try to know the exact bind of God. We try to forecast the future of why things happen. We try to justify people's life and the actions they're in by speaking for God. Sometimes things happen and the glories and the mystery of the Lord's are too great for us to handle. Read Deuteronomy. There's the mysteries of God that we are not supposed to know. Now, in context of what it's saying, and if I look at that, I don't know what he said, but you know what? Listen to me. It's too much for you to handle me too. That's why he said not to write it down. It's too much for me and you to handle. Because if he would have wanted us to know, he would have told us. Amen? We have got to understand that in the midst of even this great storm, when the remnant is on earth going through hell on earth, God is still in control of his people. God is in control of those who don't call him God. God is in control of this earth. He's in control of the sea. He is sovereign. He is who he says he is. If he isn't, then your worship is in vain, people. It's in vain. But God is who he says he is. And I look at this and I say, you know, God, I don't understand. In the midst of all this, and they're going through these trials and tribulations, what is going on? My mind is inquisitive. But that's where faith comes in. If God is promised to keep His covenants with His people, what makes you and I think that it's going to be broken? 
He is true to His Word. He is faithful in what He says. And I cannot help but believe, after all everybody is going through this, I can't imagine the tribulation that's on this earth. I can't imagine. I know what's going on now, but I can't imagine as these things are being poured out upon the people of the earth. And as we read before, a third of the people died. And all of a sudden, this remnant is in the midst of this. But it has to remind me that just like we learned a few chapters ago when the cries came out from the altar, when, O oh Lord, is going to be your time? It's coming. Look what he says. Then the angel whom I saw standing on the sea and the land lifted up his right hand to heaven and swore by him who lives forever and ever, who created heaven and the things in it and the earth and the things in it and the sea and the things in it, that there will be no delay no longer. You know what's being said here? I don't know what was spoken in the seven peals of thunder that shook the world and wasn't able to be, supposed to be said, but what I can tell you is this, God said it ends today. There is no longer delay. For all the voices of the martyrs, their voices will be lifted up and they will not be, have to be said anymore. God will bring His wrath. He's going to bring His wrath upon this earth. And that which He started, He will bring to an end. And you may think to yourself, how can this be encouragement? Let me tell you something. When you're going through trials and tribulation of unprecedented that you've never seen before, to hear the mighty voice of God said, you don't have to suffer no longer. That's powerful. So you say, Chad, how is that applicable to us today? We live in a world where there's death, there's sickness, there's murder, there's hate. The same God that will bring this earth to an end. The same God that saved you will sustain you. If He can sustain us, He remains in us. And He is faithful to His promise to never leave us or forsake us. And I look at this, and I look at this is going to be when Chad Howard is not. It may be way in the future. I may not be here. But the same Jesus Christ that saved me, that saved them, God will sustain them. God will get glory from His people. But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when He is about to sound, then the mystery of God is finished. As He preached to His servants and His prophets, then the voice which I heard from again, I heard speaking of me saying, Go take the book which is opened in the hand of the angel who stands on the sea and on the land. So I went to the angel telling him to give me the book. And he said to me, take it and eat it, for it will make your stomach bitter, but your mouth will be sweet as honey. Now I want you to think, now this imagery may seem a little strange to you. It's similar to the image of Ezekiel. When Ezekiel is told to take the book and eat it, let me tell you what this means. You see, the Word of God is sweet. The words that are spoken in His Word from Genesis to the end are sweet. But as a born-again believer, it should upset your stomach. And I want to tell you why. Because the same Word that saved you is the same Word that will condemn those who do not believe. You see, that's bitterness. I'm so tired of people joking around hell. People actually go there. 
and that ought to turn your stomach. As you see these things happening in the world today, you shouldn't say, where is God? But say, God, I'm placing my faith and trust in you. There's nothing that's going to do to change people other than the blood of Jesus Christ. It's not going to happen. We can pass every law. We can do and I'm not getting political. Y'all know I don't do that, but I want you to listen to me. People are going to find out now more than ever that the government's not going to save you. It's not going to happen. Only Jesus Christ is going to save you. If you get married, you're not going to change your spouse. You're not going to change your children. You're not going to change your workplace. Christ can. You do not have the power to resurrect a thing. I've been preaching for almost 20 years, and I tell you what, I've never saved a soul. Now listen to me. I have never saved a soul. Christ did. I do not have the power to save. What I do have the power is to share the gospel. And it ought to make you sick in your stomach if you're not sharing it. Because not only the words are sweet, the swear words are sharper than any two-edged sword and will cut to the core. You don't have to go out and offend people by the way you live. God's Word offends people on its own. He don't need our help. But we're to be obedient to His call. We're to be obedient to His Word. These words are sweet, but they ought to turn our stomach because they're powerful. They make people sick. I want you to think about it for a few moments. Do you read the Word and live by the Word? Or do you use the Word as a good luck charm? And what I mean is this. Yesterday, I, I, I had the privilege, again, of, of going into Lowe's after we had, had, had met the people that prayed over us last night. And like I say, I can't begin to thank everybody enough for your prayers. But we were going down the, the aisle, and I was flying with my little buggy. And this gentleman in front of me, I like to run over him. He stopped on a dime, and I stopped. He's talking about, I'm glad the brakes worked on that thing. I said, yeah, I like to got you. And Tiffany recognized his voice immediately. Hadn't seen him in 10 years. And it was Pastor Steve Watson of the New Jerusalem Church in Greer. And we got to talk, and we probably spoke for an hour. And as we were speaking and, and fellowshipping, I said, you know what's interesting? I said, the people that go to your church came up to our church and prayed for me yesterday. He went, what? He said, those biker people? I said, yes, sir, they did. He said, praise the Lord. They love the Lord. I said, I don't think it's coincidence, and I'm here telling you this. I believe that God orchestrates all things. And as we were sharing and talking about that, we began to talk about the power of the Word of God. And as we were talking about the power of the Word of God, we were talking about, look, and I think this relates to the bitter and the sweet. You can regurgitate every text that you think you know. You can memorize John 3, 16, forwards and left. You can, you know, forwards and backwards. You can go right and left. You can memorize pages of Scripture. Good for you. But do you comprehend what you're reading? It's one thing to read the Word of God. 
It's one thing to be consumed by it. Another. You see, here's what I'm saying is, because everything that we look when we speak in the Word of God should be out of love. When we evangelize, we should evangelize with a broken heart, that sour stomach. You see, we can't take the Jonah mentality. And I think some people on one side of the planet, or other, uh, when they believe in what they believe, when I say on the side of the planet, I mean, I believe you got two groups of people. Well, it don't matter. Here, anyway. you got the people that talk about hell and, and act like they're thankful that you're going there. Have you ever met those? They want to hell fire you until you go there. See, that's the Jonah mentality. And I know I've used this illustration a bunch of times, but that's why the Bible is so cool. Jonah, he did flee from God. He did. And the whale swallowed him and puked him up on the shore. You say, you're being a little graphic. Yes, I am. It did puke him up on the shore. And Jonah decided to go preach to Nineveh, didn't he? After wallowing in the vomit. But let me tell you something even about wallowing in the vomit. It still didn't change his mentality in a lot of ways. What do you mean? He preached and the people of Nineveh repented? Yes, he did. But he got mad because they repented. See, we don't learn about that in Sunday school, do we? He's in the deep blue sea. You know the cutesy little songs. But Jonah got mad because the people of Nineveh repented. Now see, Jonah couldn't see in the future. He didn't know the, men, uh, uh, the, the, the mysteries of God either. So let me tell you what happens. Jonah gets mad. And he sits on a hill and he pouts because they repented. And all of a sudden, God causes a shade to come up over him and it causes a worm to devour him. And the book ends with Jonah mad with a burnt head. He's upset because the people of Nineveh repented. Less than 200 years later, they would go back to their former days of Nineveh. And God's wrath was poured out upon them and they were destroyed. We preach the word of God joyfully. Let him handle the results. You see, the word of God's bitter because it should turn your stomach. There's people out there that does not know Jesus Christ. But it's sweet if you'll just eat it as Christ has said and speak it as Christ has said and let him take care of the results. Look what he says. And they said to me, you must prophesy again concerning many peoples and nations and tongues and kings. I want you to think about this for a second in closing. As I have said, not only has God showed up to give encouragement to his people and the mysteries of God as things that you don't need to know. And his word is something that must be eaten and proclaimed. But understand this, we must press on regardless of the circumstances. He says, you must prophesy again concerning many peoples and nations and tongues and kings. And the reason that it is spoken, that people might hear the word of Lord, hear the word of the Lord, and they convicted and they repent. I want to share this final thing in closing. 
Guys, I, I am not here as I'm ending this with this intermission to try to convince you that everything's going to be okay when we leave this building. Now, when I say that, is everything's going to be okay in the way we perceive it? You see, I don't know about you, but I like reassurance. But what I know is that God is still in control of my life just like He is yours. And we are all immortal until God calls us home. Every one of us. And what I do know is this. In this world that we live in, that we think is bad, we haven't seen nothing yet. But the same God that sustains us now will sustain us then. He will lead us. He will guide us. And our hope must be fully in Him. You know, I, uh, I ponder sometimes about God's wrath. You say, well, what do you mean? There's been times in my life when people have done me wrong. They have treated me evil. They have hurt my feelings. They have hurt me. That I wanted His wrath to be poured out upon them. Now let's be honest with one another as I close here. How many times have you prayed for the mighty smiter to smite somebody? God, give him a hernia or something. God, I want you to do this. I want to inflict pain. We've all been there. You know you have. Even David's that way. You need to read some of the Psalms. We ought to do a study one day in the 150 Psalms. It's, it's beautiful. But, but we've all, in our humanity, cried out for God's vengeance. Those that were at the altar cried out, how long will we have to suffer? God is going to get his vengeance. He is going to bring his wrath. But I want you to think of it from this perspective, and I promise I'm closing with this, that the times I have cried out for God to bring wrath upon somebody else, I can't ever find in the history of my being that I've cried for the wrath to be poured out upon me. Let me explain that to you. We live in a fallen world where people do evil things. This world's evil. Because it's a fallen world. But here's the deal. So am I. The only good in me is Jesus Christ. He's my advocate. It's the only good that I have. And if I understand my salvation, I understand that the same wrath that I cry upon everybody else should be poured upon me. I deserve it too. And you think about that as a born-again believer. That every time you sin, not only does it damage you, but first and foremost, it hurts God. And not only transgressions against the Word of God is sin, 
But I also believe omission is sin too. We have been commanded to go share the good news of Jesus Christ. And by not doing that, there's people going to face the wrath of God. And that should bring bitterness to our stomach. The great thing about the sweetness is this. That the same words that churn our stomach can give us the initiative to go share the good news with somebody else. And those same sweet words that save my soul can save somebody else's. Amen? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your grace and you thank You for Your mercy. And God, as I have said many times, if I have spoken, as one finger goes out, there's a sack full that come back at me. I'm not going to say that I've arrived or made it yet. But one thing I do know is I'm depressed toward the goal. Lord, I know that we'll all face trials and tribulations. But one thing that I have learned, or several things that I have learned through this text, that even in the midst of those trials and tribulations, that you're still faithful to your people. God, we pray today that you continue to give us the strength and the courage to stand up and fight. You continue to give us the ambition to share the good news of your Son, Jesus Christ. And God, we ask that you continue to give us peace to know that we're not going to know everything that your ways are not our ways and your ways are too glorious for us to understand. But God, let us have the peace to rest in you for you are faithful in your word. We love you and praise your name and all God's people said, Amen. stand and worship with us please.